You want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to be continuing our series on being established in God by talking about hearing from God this week. Today we're going to learn an important lesson about being rooted in God. If you and I are going to be rooted and established in God and in His love, we have to learn how to listen to Him. We have to learn how to hear directly from God. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. And in our day and time, if you pray, you're considered spiritual. Most people will consider you spiritual at work if they know that you pray. And they'll think that's a good thing. Most people will think, oh, that's a good thing. He's spiritual. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a good girl. Or she's a good girl. You know, she's, she's prayerful. But if you tell them that I hear from God, what are they going to think? God talks to me. We're going to think you're a little crazy, right? We're going to think you're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But here's the thing, is that God is still speaking today. And He wants you to hear Him, and He wants you to know His voice. And this concept of hearing from God is just not an optional luxury for us. It's not something that the super Christians get to do. It's something that all of us have to learn how to do because I hate to tell you this, but part-time Christianity is going to become more and more impossible as the return of Christ comes, as the return of Christ gets closer. It's going to be impossible to try to be a part-time Christian. It's going to be a critical necessity for us who continue to live for Jesus in these coming days to be able to hear directly from Him through the Holy Spirit. Now this automatically already sounds like something that's just way up here in spirituality, but let me assure you it isn't. This is Bible and Christianity 101. So let's ask God's help this morning. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that you can take any preconceived notions, that you can strip away any arguments that the enemy has put into our heads, strip all of that away, and let us hear the truth from your word this morning. Let us know and understand and be able to seek you and hear what you would have to say to us. Because you have not put a muzzle on, Lord. You are still speaking to us today. Father, help us to discover those ways this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you read the Bible at all, if you read the history, you see God actually does talk a lot. He speaks through prophets. He speaks directly. He speaks through nature. He speaks through just a whole lot of different things. I mean, if you think about it, he even corrected a prophet with a donkey. He made a donkey speak to correct a prophet. Now, doesn't that show you why I can be standing here telling you about the gospel? He can even make a donkey talk, right? Well, come on, actually get a little bit more of a laugh than that. That was funny to me when I put that in there. I don't know. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in our modern times, he's still speaking. Think about this for a second. Think about all the conversations that are happening right now. How many conversations a day, especially if you're probably a little younger, do you have on one of these each day? Either by texting or by video chatting or by calling people. You know these things actually call people? I know that's kind of a shocker to many of us who are younger. 
We can't see all these conversations going on, but they're happening. And a lot of people say, well, it's, I never hear from God, so how do I know that God's speaking? I said, well, you don't know right now, but WEAU in Eau Claire is broadcasting a television show. I have no idea what it is right now, but they are broadcasting a television thing. You can't see it. You don't know what it is, but it doesn't mean it's not going on. Because in order to receive that broadcast, you have to be sitting in front of a device able to capture that broadcast. And just like that, us being tuned in to God is critical of how important it is to hear from him. We still can hear from him. We have to learn how to do that. So how do we hear God's voice? How do we do that? How do we tune in? How do we differentiate between the noise in our own mind and the noise of the world and God's voice? So let's look at the scripture and find out. In John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. And he tells us that he wants us to know his voice. And if we know his voice, we're hearing the voice of God. However, the voice of God is not the only one we can turn into. A few moments ago, I said we have the, the thoughts in our minds. We have the thoughts that might be broadcasting from our enemy. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about briefly here in John 10, verse 10. When he says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now that thief in the Bible is Satan. You and I have an enemy and he wants to destroy our lives. Satan is known as the father of lies. His voice is in competition with God's voice. And that's a lot of the battlefield in the spiritual war, is which voice are we listening to? Which one has the most influence in our life? And that's one of the main focuses of today's message, is differentiating between these voices. How do we discern which one is true? Well, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's focus on that, have it to the full. The original Greek word used for that word life is zoe, and the Greek language connects it to the word full or abundantly, and that Greek word is perisos. The idea that there is life to the maximum. So the life that Jesus wants to give us isn't just life. It isn't just getting through the day. It isn't just waiting till next week when we can get back into church. It isn't just surviving. It's a life that is maximally filled with him. Because when he is in your life to the maximum, all those other things come with him. Peace, power, tranquility, blessing. All those things come with him. That's the abundant life that he wants to give us. And as Jesus continues to teach in John chapter 10, he says if we're going to have an abundant and passionate life with God, we need to learn how to hear his voice. In John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one, everybody say no one. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then in verse 29, Jesus says, I and the, and the Father are one. Now in this illustration, Jesus is that shepherd. We are his sheep. We are to know his voice 
and follow him. And there are three things in this passage of Scripture. Number one, the first thing, God wants you to know his voice because he loves you and he wants to talk to you. No parent sends you text messages and never, ever talks to you. They want to spend time and talk with you. He's not playing where's Waddle. He's not playing, you know, I got to go search God out of, out of all this other noise and, and figure out where God is. He is right there wanting to be with you. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. He speaks to us in very, very clear ways. And the secret of it all, of hearing God, is learning how to tune your spiritual dial to the right frequency. For some of us right now, this may be a very big deal. Maybe you have a major decision you need to make. You need to know what God's will and direction for your life is taking you right now. Most of us have many different ways when we make a major decision of making that decision. Some list the pros, some list the cons, and they say, well, which one has more? Well, if it's a con, I'm not going to do it. If there's more pros, I'm going to do it. Some people... Um, sleep on it before making a, a big decision. Some people just go with their guts. But you and I, we have access to Almighty God. I mean, who better to ask what the correct decision is? Not only does he know what's best for you, not only does he have a plan for your life, but he also knows every possible permutation to whatever choice you make. So you can make this choice over here that may not be in his will that will then lead you to make this choice that will then lead you to make this choice and all of a sudden you're way over there when you're supposed to be way over here going, where's God? So we have to go to him first. This may be a strange example. But let's say you have a major financial need. You stop at Quick Trip and someone you trust walks up to you and hands you a lottery ticket and said, absolutely guaranteed to win $250 million if you take this lottery ticket. It's going to hit tonight. Are you going to take it? Duh. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's asking God, do you have the right direction for me? He has the absolute right direction for you that's going to bring in his wisdom, his knowledge, and his love for you and wanting you to make that correct decision. So let's look at the various ways that God speaks to us in our day and time. The first way is through the Bible. The Bible is our number one way. And it's the primary way he speaks. And all the other four that we're going to get into in a moment have to fall in line with the Bible because it's the one objective source of truth we have. All the other ones are somewhat subjective. This is the objective truth. The Bible is our absolute, authoritative, unfailing rule of belief, faith, and conduct. That's actually what the Assemblies of God says about the Bible. So if some new fad or teaching or word of prophecy comes to you that does not line up with that clear teaching of Scripture, it's to automatically be disregarded and the person telling you that silenced. That is the one rule that has to be solid for us, for us to be able to distinguish between God and the lies of the enemy. Because it's, the, again, the objective source that we compare all of the other ones too. I mean, after all, 
The Bible is God's love letter to us. It shows us what exactly is found in his will and his word. This week at work, I have a coworker that's a little bit... Um, how should I put this? A little bit on the lunatic fringe, we'll say. And she was telling everybody about that she's, she just got a tarot card reading. And that they revealed the future to her, and she's going to be blessed. And she's, you know, Mr. Wright is going to come this year, and then finally, you know, she's going to, have, she's going to be happy and, and all these kind of things and, and all that. And that her horoscope said it might even be on Thursday and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just looking at her, and I'm kind of, I, I just felt bad for her because she's just being kind of led down the wrong path when instead of looking to the stars for her answers, she should go to the one who made the stars. I mean, to me, that makes a little bit more sense. I had another friend that I used to work with, a, a partner on the ambulance, who would make every single decision based on a coin flip. Heads was yes, tails was no. Every single decision. I'm like, you need to seek God about that kind of thing. The more you know about your Bible the more that you will know God. The more you know about the Bible, the more you're going to be able to discern the voice of God when he speaks to you. Often, I know when he speaks to me at least, he speaks Bible to me. He reminds me of what I've already read in the Bible, what I've already memorized, what I've already put in my heart. He'll remind me of that when I'm praying and, and seeking his will in something. That's why it's important to know the Bible. It's also important to know the context and the history of the Bible. It is our absolute standard of faith and conduct. There's a story of a guy who was really wanting a direction from God. So he took out his Bible, and he thumbs through it with his eyes closed. And then he thumbs through it again, goes this way, that way, then he closes it, opens it, and puts it down on the table. He goes like that and points at a verse. He goes, I need a direction from you, God. What are you telling me to do? He looked down, and the verse said, Judas went and hung himself. He goes, well, okay, that was wrong. Did the same thing. Shook it up, went back and forth, flipped back, flipped forward, everything, put it back down, pops it down right there. He said, that can't have been right. So what are you saying to me, God? He goes, go and do likewise. He does it again. He goes, okay, okay, third time's a charm. We're going to flip back, flip back, flip back, puts it down, puts his finger back down, and he says, what you do, you must do in a hurry. <laughs> That's kind of some of the way we use the Bible, though, isn't it? We kind of say, okay, God, what do you say about this particular thing? And we look toward the, the Bible and, and try to justify maybe a bad decision by resting verses out of context and using that to point in the way of God. But it doesn't take away from the truth today. God primarily speaks to us through his word today. You need to know what it says. You need to know the context. And you need to understand exactly what it is saying and why it is saying it. Because it reveals God's will to us. The second way that God can speak to us and will speak to us is through authority. Now God has placed authority in every single one of our lives. For example, as your pastor, I'm under authority. 
I'm under the authority of the board. I'm under the authority of the congregation. If you guys all want to get together and fire me, you could fire me tomorrow. I'm also under the authority of our district superintendent, John Davis, our um, general superintendent, um, Doug Clay. All those people of authority speak to me sometimes. They give correction, they give advice, they give wisdom. And the church is, pastors and leaders have authority. That doesn't make me any more special than you. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like you. God just put me in a specific position that should be servant leadership. It should not be good for you, not for me, do as I say. No, I should be living responsibly before you. We just have a different role in the church as leaders. And the Bible said that you think that we're up here because we want people to love us and like us. The Bible says it's actually a very heavy responsibility. If you want to talk about a, a scripture that scares the bejesus out of me, it's the one in the book of James. That literally says, why would anyone want to become a pastor? Because the pastors are going to be judged even more strictly than the regular folk. That, to me, is a terrifying verse, I'll be honest with you. It, it makes me tremble almost as I stand here. And that's why when I, before I speak to you or I give you advice or, or I say, you know, I think this is God's will for your life, I want to make double sure this isn't me. I want to make sure I'm speaking for God. And I don't take that lightly. And I know that when we talk about authority in our lives, Many of us kind of balk at that a little bit. I mean, we're Americans, right? We don't like authority. And we started in a rebellion, and it's continued ever since. I'm not saying anything bad about my country. I love my country. But DNA is the DNA of American is to resist authority. But God has instituted the church and given his authority to speak to your life and to your family through the leaders of the church. Another authority God uses is found in Romans chapter 13. And that government and that government, the authority that we're talking about there is the government. That means it's God's will to obey the law of the land. So when you're driving and the posted speed limit is 55 miles an hour, God's will for you in that moment is to drive 55 miles an hour. And I had to put this in the, ser in the sermon because the Holy Spirit poked me enough to tell me the speed limit matters. And it's the law of the land, so it's ultimately ordained by God. I drive fast. I'm sorry. Pray for me. I'm trying, I'm, doing, I'm trying to do better. If you're a student and you live at home, parents would be godly authority in your life. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that if you obey your parents, it's good for you. It'll help you live a long and healthy life. Your parents are your godly authority. If you're married... Your spouse is a godly authority in your life. And if you're thinking about, that, about the passage that says, wives, submit to your husbands, it would include that. Now, I know that I have the door unlocked over here just in case the women get a little mad at me here, but um, have you ever noticed, though, that most men who have been in church for five minutes know that verse? They somehow osmose it through the Bible that's sitting in the pew, and they know that verse. It's become their, your life verse. Woman, you are to obey me. And the unfortunate part, though, is when we say, lies submit to your husbands, 
You know that that's like a single verse, and we have almost a chapter of what the husband's supposed to do right before that. And that's something we have to remember is that that authority in the marriage is actually mutual. We both have authority over each other. Because men, we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So if you're worried about your lady submitting to you, maybe this is just for somebody on the internet. All you guys are looking at me like, not me. But if you have a problem with your wife submitting to you, I would say love her like Christ loved the church. Give her something to submit to. Let her submit to Christ within you. I've had many spouses come to me wanting to fix their other spouse or take sides in their argument. If you ever do that with me, I'll warn you in advance. I'm not going to take sides. Even if somebody's blatantly wrong, I'm not going to take sides. I'm going to point you to Jesus. Because you know what? Jesus doesn't take sides. Jesus takes over. And if we get people to where they need to be with Jesus, everything else works for itself. So God will speak to you through authority, whether it be government, parents, pastors, employers, or your spouse. And you want to listen to those kinds of things. Third way God speaks to us is through other followers of Jesus Christ. This is why the church is important. This is why church attendance really should be the first thing you put on your calendar. And I know some of us work, and I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying it needs to be the priority. As iron sharpens iron, so one person can sharpen another. That is why we come and meet together as a body of Christ. This is why God has given us the church, to speak into our lives through godly counsel. So if you're trying to make a decision and you bring it to maybe some of the, the people in the church you have respect for, and everybody is disagreeing to you and you know that they're godly people, you may want to listen. You may want to listen to their arguments. You may want to listen to them as they point to Scripture where it says, that's not a good idea. And how do you know if they're godly? Well, they're following Jesus. They're always in church. They serve the church. They come all the time to church. With their, they know their Bible. They're humble. You want those kind of people in your life that will tell you the truth whether you like it or not. I need that in my life. To people who tell me the truth whether I like it or not. Because sometimes I may not. The fourth way God speaks is a still, small voice. Now what does that mean? It's taken from the Old Testament through the prophet Elisha. Elijah does this mighty thing where he defeats the prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. Runs for his life, goes to a cave. And he's expecting God to meet with him. And there's a storm, and there's fire, and all kinds of things. And Elijah thinks, okay, God's here, God's here. And all these kind of things over here that are happening, all this, this spectacular stuff that God is doing. But then God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. It shows that sometimes to hear that still, small voice means you have to separate yourself from life for a while. You have to take us time Take your time and maybe go out in your car, park somewhere, read, worship, and hear from God. You can't hear still small voices in the middle of a crowd. You need to get alone with God. 
You need to, to allow Him to impress upon you certain things. You need to read the Word and maybe God will speak through His Word in that time. God wants to speak with you. And He still wants to speak through you through that still, small voice. He'll nudge you. He'll prompt you to do specific things. When God, spoke, when God called me to the ministry, He spoke to me. At the end of a church service, He spoke to me and told me to go and study to show myself approved. So He will speak to you in that still, small voice. The fifth and last way that God speaks is through circumstances. Have you ever heard a phrase of an open door and closed door? That's how church people say it. God's opened that door or God has closed that door. And of one, all the five, this one's the least reliable because we can really read into this. There's that, the story of the guy that wanted to go on a diet and one of the things that he wanted to go on, a, uh, one of the ways he wanted to lose weight is that he would always stop at the donut shop every morning. So he goes, God, I'm not going to stop at the donut shop anymore. And so he's getting ready for work one day, and he's just hungry. He's been dieting. He hasn't been eating. He's like, I could use a donut. But I told God I wasn't going to use a donut. And so he starts driving. He sees a donut shop coming up on the distance, and then he prays. He goes, God, if there's an open parking space right in front of the donut, that's tell you telling me that, that I can go and stop for a donut right now. And so he passes a donut shop. There's no, there's no uh, spaces. And he comes to work. And he's carrying in big boxes of donuts. And everybody's like, wait a minute, you're on a diet. He goes, I prayed to God that if there was an open parking space, and when I drove past the first time, there was no parking space. When I drove past the second time, there was no parking space. It took me 10 times driving around that block, but finally a parking space opened up. So he wants me to have this donut. That's why this one is, is kind of the least reliable. But it can be a way that God can speak to you. Maybe God does open up a door. But keep in mind, like in the story, the funny story I just told, sometimes the devil will do that too. We have, and that's why I said this one's the re least reliable, because God can speak through an open door, or it could be the enemy opening the wrong door for you and encouraging you to speak through it or to walk through it. And that's why all five of these principles are interconnected. When we have a circumstance we have a question about, Go through all the steps. Ask first, what does the Bible say? Then ask, what does, uh, what does authority say? Go to your church or your Christian brothers or sisters and ask. What do godly others say? What is God prompting you to do? Ask these kinds of questions. Because we are the people who are supposed to be God's sheep, looking to and trusting in our shepherd and everything. So let's bring this to a close here. God wants you to know his voice. And that's why he wants to speak to you today. We're to know his voice. And to know his voice, we have to accept him as shepherd. I read this example, and I thought it was a great example. How many people have seen a painting picture of a shepherd carrying a sheep over its shoulders? This is actually the way that the New Testament, or Old Testament and New Testament, the biblical times people would take care of the sheep. You see, a new sheep would be born. And the shepherd would take that sheep out of the flock. And he would carry that sheep 
on his shoulders so that the sheep would learn to hear the shepherd's voice and they would bond with the shepherd. And that's why all these examples that Jesus uses of shepherds where he says, my sheep will know my voice. That's why a shepherd could just, cry, could just say, come, and all the sheep would hear that and come to him because they associated him or associated that shepherd with the one that protects them, with the one that cares for them. That's why they said if somebody else goes out there and speaks, they won't listen to him because he's not the shepherd. They know that. This is exactly why we need to have Jesus as our shepherd. This is why we need to spend time with him. This is why when we are born again, we go to him and kneel and listen to him speak into our life and speak and, and allow us to grow in him. If you want to know God's voice, you've got to spend time with him. That means personal devotions each and every day. And I know it's hard. I know our schedules get full, especially if you're, you're younger with children. That, that, that schedule gets full really fast. I remember those days. It's hard, but it's critically important for you as a believer to grow in him and to have his presence guiding you in your life. The last point. If, God, if you do the general things that God asks of you, you'll get to know the specific things. In other words, you have to walk before you can run. So if you are having all kinds of problem breaking commandment levels um, or, or doing commandment level sins, you're going to have problems understanding him when he's talking about something very, very specific. So walking in obedience with him, spending that kind of time with him is critically important. As a matter of fact, if you roll over on Sunday morning and ask God, is it your, your will for me to go to church? The answer is yes. It's not because I need to see you here. It's not because we need your, the money in the offering plate. It's nothing like that. It's because I want God to be first and central in your life. It's God's will for you. We all know it's God's will for us to be obedient to him, to pray to him, to want to be like him to know his word, to have that abundant life that he has called us to have and to live with maximal effectiveness for him in this lost and dying generation. We need to be the lighthouses of Jesus Christ in this community.